Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms chapter 23, verse 8. I'm going to tell you something natural, but I'll really be telling you something spiritual. So pay attention to the intention of what I am giving, and not just to what you're hearing on the surface. In foraging, in other words, collecting natural foods in the wild, the first thing that you learn is that you don't eat anything unless you know that you know that you know that you know what it is. Because some plants can counterfeit good fruit, but in reality, be very, very, very toxic, even deadly. The fake can look very much, almost exactly actually, like the plant that is good for you. But except for a few subtle telltale signs that give you the red flags that this is not what you think that it is, you would be deceived by it. Therefore, when you find yourself in a wilderness, knowing how to recognize this is critical to your survival. However, I find something very interesting as I have learned many things in foraging and the like through the years that the things that was taught to me as a kid that were shown by my parents and wise elders when I was a small child, I know well. I really don't even have to think about it. When I see it, I know it. I recognize it. It's like it's part of me. I don't even think about it. I just, I know it because I was shown it as a kid. When my parents pointed things out and said things like, that's poison sumac, stay away from it, don't eat it, don't touch it, or this right here, this is very good for you, this is a wild dewberry, this is good for colds and allergy and enhanced immunity, this will make you healthy. Yet I find that the things that I learned later in life on my own, by studying books or media or other resources, when it comes to recognizing those things from the counterfeits, then I'm not quite so sure about it. It's like that natural inherent recognition just isn't there. I have to think about it. I have to check the signs. I have to try to remember the textbook and what it said and recall the images in order to make sure that it's all right. So the moral of the story is this. Teach your kids from when they are a kid what is good for them. And they will easily recognize it all the days of their life. And yes, while this does apply to foraging and actually many things, what is really important are the teachings of Jesus, a real relationship with him, prayer, the fruits of the Spirit, and the wolves in sheep's clothing. This is why Bible stories are so important. They teach the little ones what to consume and what not to. In actuality, they do the same for us too, but it's better if the opportunity is there to teach them when they are young, because when we do this, it will forever be part of who they are, not something that they have to learn and relearn like we tend to have to do with the things that we learn when we get older. Rather, instead, teach them what is right while they're still in the mold so that they don't have to be broken down and rebuilt like a damaged jar on the potter's wheel when they get old.
It is the greatest mercy, blessing, and gift that you can give to your kids. Not a secular education or a physical inheritance, but rather to prepare them for eternity and for their place in God's kingdom and to set them up for kingship from the moment that you bear them. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 tells us this little bit of wisdom, train up a child in the way that they should go and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Now understand that this says that when they are old, that really just means that when they are matured. So yes, they may go through a time of falling away, but if the truth of God is really implanted in their heart, then when push comes to shove and things get difficult, they're going to run to Jesus. Now we know that not every kid has this opportunity. Not every kid has godly parents. But you can be that for them. You can teach them. You can invest in someone while they're still young. I've heard it said that to save an adult is to save a life, but to save a child is to save a lifetime. Because the truth is, is that you're going to affect not only that person, but every person that that person encounters for the rest of their life. Someone who left to their own devices or their circumstances may have become mean, manipulative, seductive, abusive, violent, prideful, arrogant, or hard-hearted. You can influence, you can teach that they might become an encourager, a helper, charitable, selfless, kind, loving, a mender of the brokenhearted. Show them Jesus. And in doing so, plant that seed in them that the kingdom might continue to be spread for future generations. But if you are saved and you have children, then take this to heart. Now is the time to start. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, Now these things happened unto them, speaking of the Bible stories in the Old Testament, for our example. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. Did you know that? That what is written in the Old Testament, all those Bible stories, were actually written for us? So that when we go through trials and tribulations and difficult situations, we will know what to draw from. It breaks my heart when people foolishly say, oh, that's the Old Testament. That is irrelevant. No, my friend, that was written for us us. Remember that the people in the New Testament did not have the New Testament. The New Testament is a testament of their lives that they lived by faith in what was already written in the Old Testament. There's power in those stories to read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who stood before a king and said, I am not going to bend the knee to any idol." Even if you threaten to kill me, I'm going to worship the Lord God Almighty. And they were put into a fire and God stood with them. You see, since that story has been given, it has stirred faith for generation after generation after generation after generation. But its actual purpose has not been fulfilled yet because the Bible tells us that when the wrath of God is poured out on the earth in the end, in the final day, right before the return of Jesus, that it will con- that the world will be consumed by fire just like Sodom and Gomorrah was. The last time it was a flood, this time it'll be a fire. But the saints of God, the ones who refuse to take the mark of the 
beast and to worship the image of the Antichrist and his system. They will be heard walking in the fires and singing and not be hurt. They're the ones that are going to draw strength and faith and courage from the Old Testament story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My friend, your child might be among them. Make sure they know the stories. It's important. You know, one of the reasons that so few people are being saved anymore is because they don't even understand the fall of man or the damnation that they're facing for the current situation that they're in. Because nobody tells their kids the story of Adam and Eve in the garden anymore. What are the blessings that we are being grafted into when we become Christians? How few know even in churches because they're not being taught about Abraham. Oh, how the faith of the little ones is stirred by little David facing Goliath. What a boldness it puts in our spirit when we hear about Jezebel, the prophets of Baal, and Elijah? What about Joshua and Jericho and Rahab and Ruth and Job? Such a treasure trove of knowledge and wisdom and instruction in righteousness. David said, O Lord, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Remember, he only had the Old Testament. It's important. And the older you get, the harder it is really to absorb it. So take some time to teach the children in your life. Your own, of course, that's the disciples that God gave you, but there may be more around you. Nieces, nephews, cousins, friends, kids down the street. There is a mission field all around you. Take it seriously. If you're willing to take on this charge then great will be your reward in eternity, I assure you. Jesus told a story about talents that were given and some multiplied them and some didn't. I think that investing in children is like not only investing that talent, but also gaining interest. Because you're going to be rewarded not just for that one work, but for everything that is done through them. All the way through the ages and dispensations of history. Grab hold of that reality. That is a very serious, important, and beautiful thing. I never understand why churches take so lightly their youth ministry. They put the least qualified over their most precious treasures. The thing that God has entrusted to them that has more value than any other. That's where the majority of the wolves in sheep's clothing gather. The devil knows the value. He knows what to go after. Oh, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us patience. Give us humility. Give us a commission to tend to the least of these, to prepare a generation to stand in the face of great trials and tribulation, to draw from the pages of the great history book of the ages that you have given. Help them to know them, to understand them, to believe them, And when the time comes when they need them, they will draw from it. The Holy Spirit will bring it to their remembrance, and they will be equipped for greatness. But in order to do this, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to put away some entertainment, some hobbies. You're going to have to restructure and reorganize your life, your time, in order to prioritize another's life. 
But if you're willing to do it, the Lord will equip you and bless you and reward you for it. That I assure you. But let me leave you with this warning. The Bible takes very seriously those who discourage little ones. He says it's better that you would hang a millstone around your neck and cast yourself into the sea than to discourage one of his little ones that have come into the faith and believe. So make sure that your heart is right and your character is humble before the Lord. Make sure that you represent him to them. Be patient. Be kind. Be loving. Don't be hard. Children are very forgiving. We don't do everything perfect. But they know when they're really loved. And that's really what they're looking for. Because God is love. Help them. Find him. And bring to Jesus the rewards of his suffering. The hope that was set before him on Mount Calvary. The very lives that he sacrificed for. Because Jesus loves the little children. And so ought we, if we love him and desire to please him. So Lord, we ask you today for patience. We ask you for wisdom. We ask you for the filling and leading of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would make us gentle as lambs, but wise as serpents. Father, we ask that you would come and fill us with a revelation of selflessness. That it's not about us. It's not about what we've done or what we're doing or the kingdoms that we're trying to build to occupy ourselves. But it's about loving you enough to bring the family in, to join you in partnership in doing the work of redemption. In the culture of the ancient Hebrew, there was a patriarch, a father figure, and then all of the family lived within that family unit, all connected to him, all living with him. He distributed the needs to the family, but they all worked together to do the work. But it was that father's job that if someone was stolen, if someone, even by their own doing or foolishness or misfortune was taken from the family it was his obligation to do whatever was necessary to spend and expend all of the resources of the family to bring that lost child back in again and it was also the work of the brethren to help him in this mission when this happened, the terminology used was that he was redeeming them back into the family. He was being their redeemer. It was a work of redemption. This is what Jesus did for us, the brethren. Because eventually at a certain point, the father would pass everything on to the eldest son. God in heaven did this to Jesus. That's how he redeemed us. And if he lives and breathes and has his being in us and through us, then ought we not be doing it also? Should our heart not be toward the lost sheep? Should we not be apt and desire to reach and to teach the least of these? This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Thank you.